Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. Joshua chapter 10. Um, this week I'll share just briefly a little bit with you one story from my trip to Kenya. And then next week I'm going to try to have pictures together where I can uh, chatter through it for you. Because when I tell you that we built three churches in Kenya, I want you to understand what I mean by three churches. It's not quite what you imagine sometimes with white columns on the front and all of that. Um, our churches are uh, made out of uh, metal roofing, and uh, usually uh, we do have some brick churches that the people make the bricks and all of that, but we've got all kinds of really neat things that happen in answer to prayer there this week. And one of those stories will have to do with uh, what we've got here in the book of Joshua, uh, chapter 10, uh, Eric I haven't got to hear his sermons yet. He says he's got them recorded for me. So uh, unfortunately, the thingy that we record them on um, is made for a different denomination that only preaches for 10 minutes or 15. (laughs) And so it doesn't work for this church. Uh, Our sermons are slightly longer than that. Uh, So uh, here we have in... Joshua chapter 10, he talked about chapter 9 and about making a, a uh, vow, uh, getting into a relationship that was not God's will. And why did Joshua get into that relationship? Because he did not pray. All right, the Gibeonites showed up. They said, oh, man, we heard about your God. Your God is awesome. He is so amazing. We're from way over there. Look at our bread. Man, it was hot, piping hot out of the oven when we got it. And we started out. Look at our sandals. These were brand new sandals. Look at them, man. Look at our donkeys. Don't they look broke down and pitiful? And they, man, they schmoozed him good. And he got the elders together and he said, well, these people come from a long way. And they say, our God's a great God and they want to make peace with us. So how do we know you're not from close by? Oh, man, look at this bread. Could we be from close by and have bread like this? Yes. Uh, but, and it says they did not pray. They didn't ask counsel of the Lord. How many of you have made decisions without asking counsel from the Lord? How many of you wish that some of the decisions that you made you could undo quickly? Well... Joshua, yes, yes, we know there's some people holding up two hands. Uh, Been there, done that. It's easy to get in trouble and a lot harder to get out of trouble. So um, uh, Joshua, though, uh, as Eric told you last week, was a man of covenant. He made a covenant with these people. The elders made a covenant. They said, in the name of the Lord God, we will not destroy you. And then they find out three days later, they're just from over the hill. And they said, how come you all lied to us? Well, We heard what your God did in Egypt. Ten plagues. 
We heard that your God took you through the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh's army. We heard that your God's been leading you with a big pillar of fire, leading you with a cloud, giving you manna every day, giving you water from the rock. We've heard about your God. And then you show up here and then you wipe out Og, who is a huge army, and Sihon. You wipe them out, then you cross the Jordan in full flood on dry ground. Yes, we're terrified. And then Jericho, one of the huge cities here, you'll march around it, the walls fall down, you wipe them out. Yes, we're scared. So we lied. Glad you bought it. Now, you're going to kill us? No. You're going to be our servants. Fine. Better to be a live servant than a dead warrior. And they said, fine. So that's where we are in uh, chapter 10. Uh, there's five kings. They say the king of Jerusalem and some of those other kings that we'll look about here. They say, Gibeon, that huge city, one of the royal cities, has made an alliance with the Joshua. They're traitors. We're going to go down. Come on, you guys. Let's go down there and whoop up on them. And we'll kill them, take over their city, and we'll, that way we'll be able to defend against Joshua. So they uh, come down there. So you'll read about that in verse 1 through 5. So the Gibeonites, they say, hey, Joshua, oh, buddy. Now, you know, we're friends now. We're your servants. Uh, we need help. Quick. And then 7 to 9, Joshua does a speed march all night long, marches his people there. Now, I tell you, wouldn't you be tempted if you've made a bad agreement if you were Joshua's place and they say five kings are here to destroy us, would you be tempted to say, well, uh, we're tired. It'll take us two or three days to get there. Would you think about that? That'd solve your problem, wouldn't it? Give you a night's wiped out, bad vow done, and you could be all right. Or am I the only one who thinks that way? <laughs> You're all awful solemn and righteous out there. Well... <laughs> I do think of things sometimes and they're not always good. And uh, then I have to repent. But uh, Joshua says, no, 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 no. So he does a speed march, goes over there, and then uh, defeats the enemy. And we're going to talk about some miracles. Then he's going to talk about the execution of the five kings and the cities that he took over. And uh, one of the other kings comes to rescue him. And so we've got a lot to cover here in Joshua chapter 10. Now guess where we'll be studying next week? Joshua chapter... Guess what? Yes, if you'll read Joshua 1 through 10, you'll be blessed. Read the book of Joshua. Pretend that you've got to teach about the book of Joshua and study about the book of Joshua and uh, God will really uh, bless you and speak to your heart. So the promised land is a picture of what? In Hebrews it says the promised land is a picture of well, it's the picture of heaven in its ultimate there. But before we get to heaven, God wants us to live what kind of a Christian life? Victorious Christian life. He wants us to abide in Him. And so in Hebrews, it talks about, He said, you, if you cease from your own works, you enter into His rest now. You'll be in His rest now. Then there comes the fullness of rest in eternity. But there is a, uh, a life of victory. Victorious Christian living is what God wants us to be having. Abiding in Christ. Spirit-filled life. Uh, what is there that hinders Christians being like Jesus? That's God's goal. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God loved his son so much, he determined to make a whole bunch more just like him. What are some of the things that hinder us becoming like Jesus? 
rebellion, selfishness, pride. Now we are talking to the people in those other churches, right? Not, not, not here. Yeah, yeah. Pride. What are the seven deadly sins? Greed, envy, gluttony, lust. Uh, these are things that are enemies of Christ-likeness in our life. Now, we are not called to run out and kill people. They were called to go in there and wipe out the people in the promised land. They either left or they get wiped out. In Gibeon's case, they're subjugated. And you say, well, that's not very nice. How long had God given them to repent? 430 years. That's twice as long as America's been around. And they kept going down, down, down. In Genesis 15, God told uh, Abraham, these people, I'm going to give you the, the land, the promised land, but they've got 430 years to repent. Now, some people think the God of the Old Testament's mean God and the God of the New Testament's nice God. Let me tell you, the God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, same God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God of the Old Testament is not, uh, you know, don't let him be characterized as just mean God. If you think of just mean God, think of Nineveh. Ever, anybody ever heard of Nineveh? Ever watch VeggieTales? Fish slapper? You know, yes. Nineveh was a wicked, wicked city. And God said, 40 days you will be destroyed. But he said who? Jonah. Because he wanted to show mercy. And when the king heard and all the people heard, guess what? They wouldn't let their goats drink water. They wouldn't let their dog have water. They wouldn't let anybody have water. Nobody ate, drank water. Nobody ate food. They wore sackcloth and ashes. The king put ashes on his head, wore sackcloth. He said, maybe God will show us mercy. And guess what God did? Showed him mercy. He said, oh, good. They repented. <laughs> listen, listen, listen now. Sin, sin, that's the big word for lots of those things we were talking about there, is what gets between us and God. When we get independent from God, sin produced by evil in our lives and out from around us comes into us and it causes trouble with us and God. Uh, you know, before we're Christians, we're in bondage to Satan. Ephesians 2, 2 says that we are under the domination of the spirit of this world who works in the children of disobedience. When you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you and he begins to work in you to make you like Jesus. Amen? Different people. And then the Bible doesn't says your problem is not other people. Ephesians 6 says your problem is principalities. Powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, evil spirits that are at work. Evil spirits were back here in the promised land. Evil spirits have been since the beginning of time there when those angels were thrown out of heaven that rebelled with Satan. And they love to inhabit people. They love to harass people. The, the man, the Gadarene madman, he was so tormented, he would gash himself with rocks, scream and yell. They'd chain him up. He'd just jerk the chains loose. He had superhuman powers. And he was a tormented man running around in the tomb, screaming and in misery, wishing that he could die. And the demons loved it. And then Jesus came and threw the demons out. He was clothed in his right mind, completely transformed because of Jesus. Amen? And that's what he's done for so many here. You've put your faith in Jesus. You're a different kind of a person. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. And God wants us to be living victorious Christian lives. Have you all already tuned me out? Preacher talk. Done. Yeah. He'll be done here in a little bit. 
Man, we have an opportunity. Now, if you were grading yourself, one, being pitiful, anemic, whooped by the devil all the time, all the way up to ten, spiritual champion, devil scared of you, where are you? Don't raise your hand, don't put your hands up, don't. You know, uh, you can put your hand up. How many times have you ever thought, man, I'm really strong now after what God did for me. I'm not going to have trouble with sin again. I'm going to be all right. And then something happens and then there you are on your face again. How many done that? Yes. You know, God loves to jog us so that we find out what we're full of. You know, if I have a cup of coffee and you bump my arm, what's going to spill out? Coffee. And when God lets you be bumped in life, guess what? You'll find out, oh, I thought I was over that. I didn't know that lust was still in there. Oh, I didn't know that pride was still in there. Oh, I didn't know that greediness was in there. I didn't know that was in there. Oh, I didn't know that was in there. And then God shows it to you. And then he says, nasty, nasty, nasty. And walks away. No, he shows it to you so that he can fix it. When God reveals sin to you, what does He want you to do? Repent. Confess it. Not as a mistake. Not as my wife made me do it. Not as my kids made me do it. Not as my boss made me No. Confess it as sin. It is pride in your life. Repent. Ask for mercy. And then the power of the Holy Spirit to live in victory. Amen? Are we still together? So here in this chapter, uh, we find that Joshua is given by God the, the responsibility of conquering the promised land, of removing all the enemies of people who for years have got steadily worse and worse and worse, offering their own children as human sacrifices, children that God gave them. They would take their teenagers, tie them up, heat up the god Moloch who had hands out like this. And when he was red hot clay god there, they would put their children in there and then play the music real loud so they couldn't hear their children screaming and dying. And they thought that they were satisfying the gods there. And God says, I never wanted anything like that. I never wanted those kind of things going on. And I've warned you and I've told you about this. Now it is... Too late. Judgment is coming. And that the Bible has that all the way. You know, God is merciful. God is gracious and God waits. But he says, if you will not repent, you are storing up judgment for yourself. Our nation storing up judgment for itself. The world storing up judgment for itself. So one of the big words today is loyalty. Say loyalty. Do you like that word loyalty? Do you want your spouse to be loyal to you? Do you want your boss to be loyal to you? Do you want your children to be loyal to you? Children, do you want your mom and daddy to be loyal to you? Feed you, house you, give you wheels when you need them? Yeah, loyalty is, is a big, big word. Uh, and God wanted Joshua to be loyal. He wanted the people of God to be loyal, to do what he had given them to do. It's an essential in human uh, relationships. Loyalty is absolutely essential in society and in our relationships with one another. Joshua was loyal in obeying God. Joshua was a man of prayer. 
a man who spent time with God, seeking God's ways. And God, he was functioning in the duty that God had given him, which was to conquer the promised land. So you find here that the song goes, they that, they that, how many like waiting? We don't like waiting, do we? Better to do something than just wait. Joshua was waiting. He conquered Jericho by the word of the Lord, went around it, and God told him how to do that. He didn't pray, and they made a mistake at Ai. They sinned at Ai, got 36 men killed, and if they had prayed, they would have found out about Achan. They dealt with Achan, dealt with the sin. God gave him a strategy. He sent 30,000 men behind the city. They hid during the night. The next day, they came up against Ai. Then they ran away. The people of Ai thought, oh, good, we got him again. They chased after them, ran out of the city chasing after them. And then Joshua turned around and motioned to the people back there. They ran in, took over the city, burned everything, and they were caught in a pincer move, and they defeated Ai. So they beat Jericho. They beat Ai. Now Gibeon has given up. Gibeon has surrendered and the cities that are around it there. So now, what do I do? In your life, you don't have to be frantic trying to have activity. Pray to God. The Bible says you're made alive by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Those who are the children of God are the ones who are led by the Spirit of God. A, a message comes to him. A guy comes running in breathless. <gasps> What's wrong with you? I'm from Gibeon. Yeah? So? What's your problem? Oh, man. Five kings. The king of Jerusalem. These other four kings, they've come against Gibeon. They're surrounding it now. They're going to wipe it out. And the, the, your servants in Gibeon say, come help us. Joshua knew what to do. He's a general. He's got an army. He takes his men. And they take off and do a, a night march, a forced night march, and come upon those kings suddenly. And look here uh, at verse 7. It says, So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, which is where they've been having their headquarters. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. Let me ask you something. Uh, tell me some characteristics of a brave soldier. What are some characteristics of a brave soldier? Okay, he's obedient. What? Okay, obedient, follows orders. Courageous, yes. He doesn't see something going on over there and say, Ew. Pardon? Well-trained. Focused. Loyal. Yeah, good, you heard that one. Yes, you know, these were soldiers. He takes the mighty men. These are men tried in battle. These are men who are armed. These are men who are ready. They're focused, they're passionate, and they're headed there. Joshua says, we're going all night long, boys. We're going to come on them and surprise them at dawn. And they marched. Thousands of soldiers marching together with Joshua. He couldn't run up there by himself. Yes, God was going to help him, but they had to go. They marched that night. Let me tell you something. We are the soldiers of God. Ephesians 6 says, put on the armor, the helmet of Salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it's a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. The shield of your loins girt about with 
truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the good news of peace. Man, when you step into a situation, you should have the peace of God there. Why? Because you've got the authority of God. You're an ambassador of God stepping into a situation. We step into there. We have the peace of God and we're able to enforce the peace of God. We have the armor of God and we are protected against the evil spirits and their fighting. Now, Saul uh, or Paul, after he became a Christian, 2 Corinthians 12, you can read about it. There was an evil spirit that was harassing him, bothering him, causing persecution, causing infirmities, causing weakness, causing trouble for him. And he said, oh God, make that demon go away and leave me alone. And he prayed three times expectantly. And God said, no, quit praying about that. I'm letting that one harass you so that you will stay humble and alert all the time. Otherwise you could become proud and self-sufficient. So I'm going to let him bother you. Paul says, oh, then I'll glory in tribulations. I'll glory in problems. I'll glory in infirmities. I'll glory in pressures in life. When I'm boxed in, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because when I am weak, he is strong. Say that with me. When I am weak, he is strong. Now say it like you mean it. When I am weak, he is strong. We are to be people, young people at school, young people. Those of you that are homeschooled in your home, you're supposed to be men and women of God. You're supposed to be like David growing up strong. I mean, he was taking care of the sheep and the lion came and grabbed one of the lambs. He didn't say, well, one guy got another hundred. Nope. He took after the lion, killed the lion, grabbed him by the beard, stuck him and killed the lion, made him a nice lion mat in his tent. A bear came another day, tried to grab one of his lambs. He said, no, I'm responsible for these lambs. He fought the bear, killed the bear, got him a bearskin rug and a lionskin rug. They're in his tent, taking care of his responsibilities. We are going to face things that are overwhelming. I don't know. How many of you have ever petted a bear? Just a little bear. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine fighting one of them? I've watched them on TV, you know, running go 30 miles an hour, got big long claws, got big old teeth, you know. Uh, I mean, I have a hard time wrestling with my cat sometimes. And I mean, uh, what am I going to do with a 500-pound bear or a 300-pound bear? What am I going to do with a lion uh, while we were in Africa? Oh, this is a side. Uh, this will bless you ladies' hearts. <laughs> uh, we, we were out on a drive, and we saw a lion, lioness, she was pregnant, big, strong one, and she had a buffalo that she and, and her mate had killed that night, and she was dragging it towards the shade, dragging it. Big old heavy buffalo, all by herself, dragging. Now, she saw us, and we bothered her a bit, but there's vultures, and she kept watching them. She didn't like them. She's dragging it over there, and this is, I'm going to use this in premarital counseling and in marriage counseling because I think this is a very good principle that I noticed in nature here. Uh, she's dragging it over there. So we drive over there and there's the male lion sitting there. I'm in the shade waiting for my breakfast. <laughs> now those of you that are visitors, I am just kidding. This is just a joke. Okay. But uh, I did have a video of that I showed to, showed to somebody yesterday. They didn't think that was funny. Uh, no, that is not biblical. But anyway, lions, you, you're going to have troubles in life. God's going to let you have pressures in life. Oh, where's Dylan? Uh, at the end of the service, I want to pray for you. I meant to do that a while ago. We prayed for him last night in case we didn't make it here this morning. But do you want to remind me? Okay. All right. He's going off to be a soldier, training as a soldier. Guess what? 
When he goes there, I told him, I said, this is so nice. They have you in your barracks, and they come knock on the door. Uh, Dylan, would you like to get up? Uh, we'd like you to come down to breakfast. Oh, by the way, would you do a few push-ups? Before? No, they're going to say terrible things about your mama. Uh, they're going to say terrible things and make you do all kinds of stuff that you don't like. Why? Because they want you to be tough. They want you to be a soldier. They want you to learn to take orders. They want you to learn how to do what you're told when you're told, no matter what. They want you to go like that. Now, God is not that kind of a general to us. Uh, he does train us. He is good to train us, but he is wanting to train us to be, we've called ourselves a SWAT team before. Bring us out when there's more trouble. That we should be people who know how to fast. People who know how to pray. People who have the word of God and know the word of God. People who have the shield of faith that have the weapons of God for the right hand and for the left that go out. Men and women, young people who are strong in spirit, who are like Esther, who say fast and pray. And then if I perish, I perish. I am going to go do what God wants me to do. To be like David. To be like Joseph. God could bless Joseph in whatever he did because Joseph was determined to please God. God could bless Daniel in whatever he did because he was determined to please God. So here we find he takes the mighty men. These are men that are trained. These are men and they have to go all night long in a forced march. They come on five kings and they start into battle with them and they start attacking them and the five enemies, they run. Look at uh, verse 16. Five kings fled and hid the... Well, let's go back a little bit earlier. Uh, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he, verse 7, and then we go to verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into your hand. There shall not a man of them stand before you. Joshua therefore came to them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way. They go at the Beth uh, Horon and smote them at Azekah and unto Makeda. And it came to pass that as they fled before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah. And they died. And there were more which died with the hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Can you imagine God up there? Hey, Gabriel, get over here. Hey, you angels, get over here. Get on the parapet of heaven. Here's you some hailstones. Let's throw them down. You can read in the book of Job. He says he stores up hail. He stores up hail in his storehouses for war. Do you believe this story? Or is this just figurative? No. God sent hailstones and threw them down. Now, last Sunday night we were talking about this and I asked everybody, I said, what problem do you have that is bigger than five kings coming against you to destroy you? This is the same God. When God sends you into a situation and some of you are facing health problems here, some of you are facing relationship problems here, some facing job problems, some facing uh, other stresses and pressures and things that you can't control and things that are overwhelming and you can do nothing about. The Bible is full from the beginning to the end of the power of God in situations. Not that you can tell him what to do, but when he tells you what to do and where to go, you can trust him. Say that. You can trust him. Say it again like you mean it. You can trust him. Amen. Joshua marched all night, fought all day. 
The army's running away. Hailstones are raining down. More of their enemies dead on the ground than they've killed. And, but they need to catch them. This is five armies and they're headed back trying to get back to their cities to hide. And Joshua says, son, stand still where you are. Moon, stand still where you are. I need more time. And it says that the sun slowed way down on its setting and he got another whole day. Now, I have read all kinds of explanations for this because it really bothers us. That's not scientific. Let me ask you, how many miracles are scientific? <laughs> Moses puts his hand into his coat, pulls it out. It has leprosy. Moses puts his hand back into his coat, pulls it out. It doesn't have leprosy. Give me a good physical explanation for that. Moses throws down his staff. It becomes a snake. Pharaoh's servants throw down their staffs. They become snakes. Moses' snake swallows all their snakes. Give me a good explanation for that. Moses says the river's going to turn to blood. It turns to blood. Moses says there's frogs going to come from everywhere. Frogs come from everywhere. Moses says they're going to die now. Uh, he asked Pharaoh, when do you want them to die? He said, one more night. I don't know why he wanted one more night with the frogs, but he did. Uh, be a good song, wouldn't it? One more night with the frogs, my dear. No. But anyway, the, one more night with the frogs. Then the next day, the frogs died. And they just stacked them up, stacked them up, stacked them up. Gnats, locusts, the ten plagues. None of those plagues have a good explanation because Moses said when they would start and when they would stop. Right? What's a good explanation for Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead? For Lazarus, four days dead in the tomb. You, you've got to decide, is your God big enough to do miracles? Yes. And is he big enough to take care of your situation? Does he know where Gilmer County is? Does he know where L.J. is? Does he know your name? So Joshua says, sun stop here. Moon stop there. And guess what? It says there, before then and after then, nobody ever prayed that kind of a prayer and got that kind of a result. Now listen. If you're going to have faith to get something like that done, you need to get your orders from God. Joshua was a man since he was a young man with Moses. Who when Moses would leave the tent of presence. Of the presence of God. Joshua would stay there. Moses, uh, Joshua went with him up on the mountain. To get the ten commandments. Joshua was with Moses all the time. He had grown in faith. And then when Moses went up on the mountain. And died. God said now Joshua. I've trained you. You're the man. I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you to do the things I want you to do. I'm going to take you in and you're going to conquer the promised land. And so that day, he didn't know what to do till the Gibeonite man came. Then he knew what he had to do. Go rescue Gibeon. While he's fighting in that battle, God allows the enemy to be defeated before him. God says discomfited his, his enemy before him. Listen, can you pray about the person that's a trouble in your life? Do you think God is stressed out by some little redneck dude? Do you think God is stressed by dragon lady? Of course, they're over there in those other places, not here. No. Do you think God is stressed by Mr. Putin? By Gizmo in North Korea? I can't. Rocket Man? Yeah. Honest, honest. 
God presents himself. I created the universe. I allow things to happen. I'm at work in them. But I am working all things together for good for everybody in Gilmer County, right? Be careful. No, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, verse 29, to make us like... Do I have to start again? Verse 29, to make us like... What's God's goal? To make you like Jesus. That's what makes all things work together for good. All things are working together for good to those who love God, called according to his purpose, to make you like Jesus in the situation that you're in. God wants you functioning like the Lord Jesus. You know, there was a man who had a bunch of evil spirits in him and some, uh, some seven sons of Sceva, they came and they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come you spirit. The evil spirit says, well, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And the man jumped on them, whooped them, and says they went down the road, running down the road naked because he stripped them and beat them up. Wouldn't you love it if in Satan's kingdom they said, oh, I know Ray. I know Jesus. I know Ray. I know Ed. I know Sally. I know. Wouldn't it be nice if they know your name that way? Ooh. They're full of the Holy Spirit. Ooh. They walk with God. Ooh, when they pray, things happen. I am so glad that God is stirring up this spirit of prayer here. Uh, I mentioned this the first uh, night that we had that prayer time. Uh, there's a really good book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala, where he talks about how he started in ministry. He was a basketball player. He didn't go to seminary. He didn't go off to Bible school. God called in. His father-in-law happened to be a pastor. And his father-in-law said, I think God wants you to do this. And it trained him and discipled him. Put him into church. And he went, he went to Brooklyn Tabernacle when it was a pitiful, in-debt, thieving deacon place. And they began praying. And that church of thousands was built on prayer. Intercessory prayer. And I've told you some of those stories. Uh, how God worked there. I am so excited. Prayer is not an option. Prayer is the foundation for anything that God's going to do. Not us telling God what to do, but us praying until we're in harmony with what He wants to do and working with Him. Amen? Amen. Then we'll see people saved. We'll see lives discipled. We'll see changes in people's life. So they ran here and uh, let me just read you a couple verses and then We'll stop and I want us to pray for Dylan. Jesus said in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done for you. If, 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 if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Are you abiding in him? Are you full of his word? Are you guided by his word? Do you know the principles of his word? Do you know the God of the Bible? Do you know how he operated in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus? Do you know how he's been operating? God is... Uh, has revealed himself and he wants us to know him. Wisdom is to learn how to know God and the way he thinks and what he does and to get yourself in harmony with him. Jesus said in John 16, 24, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And I've shared with so many of you here answers to prayer. Let me just share with you one uh, situation. We went to a church called Nyam Tembe which means alluring woman, uh, and it's named after that particular area, uh, and their church just happens to be like, you know, uh, 
Gilmer County Church, you know. Uh, anyway, their church is called Yamtembe. That church, the first three pastors that have been there have had problems. One of them, his wife just went bananas, went away from God. Uh, another one, she got into moral problems. And, and the three pastors that were there ended up going away. Now the church, when I went there three years ago, had brick walls. And those walls had been there, as of this year, 10 years. Brick walls, no roof, dirt floor, holes in the wall for windows, and two doors but no doors on the doors. And then they had a little mud church beside it, and that's where they were meeting, and this one was just sitting there. It had sat there so long there were trees growing up in the floor. So the, the last time we were there, uh, a couple years ago, we laid hands on the walls and prayed, Lord, help us to get this place like it ought to be. We own the lot beside it. We need this place doing something uh, for your kingdom. Help us. So we laid hands on it there. We sent some money over. There's a roof. When we went there this time... Me and Ben Kiker and Chad Watkins and Justin and uh, yeah, Justin and Pastor Harrison were there. Now listen, the, the thing I want to show you is we're supposed to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, be guided. When you come to church, you should not know what's going to happen. You should know what might happen, but you're never sure what's going to happen. I didn't know everything that's going to go on here. Listen, so we're there praying and suddenly Pastor Harrison says, you know, I'm going to sell two of my goats and I'm going to buy two windows for those two front windows. Well, in my heart, I said, I will buy your two goats and I will sell your two goats and I'm going to do the next two windows. Uh, Justin said, I will buy your two goats that you just bought from him and I might sell them and I might not. I might just get me baby goats over here, but whatever, I'll pay for two windows. So everybody said, hallelujah, glory, this is great. Well, one of the members, he says, I can't afford two windows. I'll buy one window. Will one of you take the door? And I said, yes, I'll take the door. One window, one door. You got the window. And we only had the back door. Well, I said, last time we were here, we prayed. We laid hands on the walls. Let's just do that again. And we all went, started laying hands on the walls and praying for that place. And suddenly, I mean, now... Those of you who've been around, you know this feeling that you get. You just know that you're being spoken to. You know what you're supposed to do. How many of you know Ben Kiker? You know, Ben and I have been friends for a long, long time. And Ben suddenly began crying. And he walks down to Pastor Harrison and gives him a big hug. And both of them stand there crying. Two big boys crying there together. And Ben says, it's done. It's done. There's plaster for the walls, concrete for the floors. This place is going to be finished. It's God's will. It's what we're supposed to do. And it was such a beautiful experience, y'all, to be there, to get to be a part of that, to get to be a messenger boy. I'm, I'm giving a little bit. They're giving a little bit. Everybody giving a little bit. And now that church and that church, when we left there, we had two other places to go. They, they, they sent message out. Everybody that's a church member here, come. They came that evening after they got off work. They celebrated on into the night, praising God, singing, and thanking God for His provision for them. When they started their day, they had no idea what God was going to do. When they ended their day, their church is going to be finished. Now, I'll be sending the money tomorrow for all the windows, all the doors, concrete for the floor. And that church now, uh, it's called Nyam Tembe. Everybody say Nyam Tembe. Which means alluring woman. And they said, you know, people laugh at us because of the name of our church. I said, don't worry about it. God had Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. And when she got saved and he puts her in the hall of fame in, in Hebrews 11, he calls her Rahab the 
harlot. Because he's proud of what she used to be and she isn't anymore. I said, this is a luring woman. This is Nyam Tembe. This is the place that's going to allure people more than a woman, more than casual sex. It's going to allure people to know Jesus and to be strong in Jesus. And it's going to be a lighthouse in this community. And Nyam Tembe will be an alluring place for Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you had a big plan. You told Abraham what you were going to do. 430 years later, you brought your children into the promised land. These people were evil. They were unrepentant. The ones that would humble themselves like Rahab the harlot, you received. The Gibeonites surrendered and you allowed them to be there amongst your people. And Lord, then the ones who resisted and refused to humble themselves, even though they knew what a mighty God you were, refused to come. Then they were removed from that country, Lord. They, they were destroyed because you had spoken that word to Abraham all those years before. Father, this world, you've told us that one of these days, the sun is going to be darkened. One of these days, the moon will turn to blood. One of these days, there's coming a fierce reckoning on this earth for those who have rejected your word, rejected your spirit, rejected your ways, and who have turned their back on you. One of these days, there will come a new heaven and a new earth. You say you're going to burn up the old heaven and the old earth like uh, you did there at the flood when you destroyed all those people who refused to repent after 120 years, like you destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like you threw out the angels who rebelled and would not uh, be subject to you. Father, thank you that you wait patiently, longing for people to surrender themselves to you. I pray for any person here today who's been stubborn in resisting you, stubborn in wanting to walk in their own ways, stubborn in refusing to do what they know is right, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that if they've never surrendered to you, Lord Jesus, today they would say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I am lost. I am hopeless. I am helpless. I can't even live up to my own standards. Oh God, forgive me of my sins. Please take over my life. Send your spirit into me to help me to begin living for you, walking with you, living in loving obedience to you and to become more and more like Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And if you'll call on the Lord that, that way, the Lord said, the Bible says, all who will call on the Lord for deliverance and salvation will be saved. And then you will become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You will be reconciled to God as your father, the Lord Jesus, as your older brother or as your bridegroom and the Holy Spirit in you, giving you the power to live a new kind of a life to please God. You will be surrendered to him if you've never done that. For those of us who are Christians here, those who've given our lives to Him, we have a, an opportunity to live the victorious Christian life. An opportunity to abide in Him. An opportunity to enter into His rest. Even though there's warfare around us, there's that deep peace inside because God is our God, the living God. He holds our hand. Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads us even through the valley of the shadow of death. We will fear no evil because He is with us. His rod and His staff are there to comfort us to protect us, to guide us, and, and, and to help us. You anoint our head with oil. Our cup runs over. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And then we get to live with you forever. Father, I pray that we would be valiant soldiers like Joshua had. That we would go to the battle. That we would... Uh, Come in your name, Lord Jesus, against all the evil spirits that are in this world of pride, of gluttony, of greed, of selfishness, of uh, apathy. 
Lord, the things that are against what you would have us to be. And pray that we would humble ourselves and ask you to work in us. And that we would cooperate with you as you work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. That we would work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, I pray that in the devil's halls that our names would be known as people who are intercessory prayer people. People who bow our knees and bow our hearts before you. And who are available to you. Who are faithful to you. To live for you. Faithful to die for you by the word of the testimony and the blood of the Lamb. That we are your purchased possession in this world. And that we have uh, your presence from now uh, until we die. And then when we die, we burst into your eternity for us. Into a new heaven, a new earth that you have created for us uh, one of these days for us to experience. I pray that you would help us to be focused on your priorities. Help us to be mighty warriors for you. Help us to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us and the weights that weigh us down, the distractions. And pray that we would run with patience the race that you've set before us to be all that you want us to be. That's your prayer. You can say that with me. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.